man. Only a couple more weeks left of summer, which is depressing. But Matt Welch and I recorded an episode last night for you. I was going to say you subscribers. No, you're hearing this because you don't subscribe. You scumbags, you maggots, you cheap, lousy, Shane McGowan lyrics. But here's what I did for you on this freebie. I, I cut out, I, st- I started somewhere in the middle because I want to apologize to those who do subscribe, who actually won't hear this, so none of this makes sense, that the first 30 minutes of this episode, which you will not hear a preview of because we are nice and we want you to come and subscribe, because otherwise you would hear Matt Welch and I talking for about 30 minutes about music, Robbie Robertson, Bob Dylan, commies like Pete Seeger, people like Dave Van Ronk. It just was all over the place. I don't know what we were talking about. But if you like, if you like that sort of thing, you should sign up. You should sign up anyway, because it's the greatest podcast in Christendom. And we've proven that over and over and over again. So here is a sample in which we um, talk about an article in the New York Times, which is one of the most obnoxious things that both Matt and myself had read in a very, very, very long time. It is an amazingly embarrassing piece of writing, but it somehow just popped into our head when we were talking because we had discussed it uh, last week on text. And good Lord, ugh, I, I just, all right, listen to a bit of it and then subscribe, okay? And if you do, I will, <laughs> I'm not going to do anything for you. I'll just give you another podcast every week. It's a pretty good deal. Okay. We know of new methods of attack. I saw another one recently, some woman saying that, you know, oh my God, we have to talk about this. I'm sorry. The the woman in the New York Times. Oh my God, we have to talk about which, which sorry. one? Sorry. Oh Did God, we, yes, yes. Oh. Oh my God, it's the best thing ever. She it's the greatest. moved to Paris it's while amazing. Asian and is so happy about it. Is so happy because there are no racists in France. And she was like, you know, I mean, literally like a day after like a race riot convulsed the entire country. It's like, but here I feel, and it was this thing where, because she spoke French. She's like, I speak French and this is why. And it's like, wait, don't you realize, this is literally the premise of this piece. It's in the New York Times. And this woman says, you know, the premise, I don't know, the premise of the piece is that I moved to to, to France because America had become too anti-Asian um, uh, after COVID. And France is, of course, a model of, of integration and uh, racial harmony. And at some point, you realize the point of this article is that she, and by the way, she lived in France long before COVID. I did a tiny bit of digging, but apparently she went back. But uh, she speaks French, according to her. She speaks wonderful. She loves words. That's what mm-hmm. she said. I love words. Matt, do you love words or do you hate words? In Paris, I get judged on what I speak, not how I look. So Yeah, that's racist. Already. <laughs> in America, that would be racist, right? Already humble bragging here. Um, but wait, wait, hold on. But that, if imagine the flip side of this, this dummy doesn't think about this for one second. The editors of the New York Times don't ask her a question in her readback saying, well, wait, if you were in America and you're being treated better because you spoke English and not say Spanish, that would be considered racism, right? Or an ugly form of nationalism. But somehow when it's in France, she's like, this is liberating and a racially harmon- uh, harmonious place which is sort of paradise for people of all different backgrounds but you must speak french <laughs> there are so many lines in this that are worth give me a g- g- give a good one sometimes yeah. and i don't expect to make friends with a statement 
all you have the energy for you in this life is to go where you are most likely to be treated like a white male. <laughs> Sorry, did I laugh at you? For me, that's France. Uh, I'm but sorry. Also, they, doesn't that mean France is really racist? They're like, we're going to treat you like a white person. No, <laughs> if they treat you like a male, a different like language. Um, uh, in the United States, I am an Asian female, an invisible minority, until we're not, what? and we're being harassed. You're writing in the New York Times. Meanwhile, you've written multiple books. My life in France as a somewhat assimilated, fluent French speaker. Ooh, oh, she loves that fluent. I'm fluent. Is the closest I've ever come to the luxury of feeling like a privileged member of the dominant majority. You're dumb. Okay. It happens in particular when I'm surrounded by non-French speaking Americans. And then she goes to talk shit about America. So she is going and like literally uh, talking about how um, ugly Americans, when they're traveling abroad, they dress like me. Nothing cliche about this. (laughs) It's never, never, ever been committed to print in the New York Times. Never, never. Uh, it's literally the reason the New York Times exists for people who feel oh superior than other. For, for, God, yeah, okay. it's really. Bad. I'm going. I'm. I'm go ahead. What, you got to keep going. Sorry. High tourist season one. is a witching hour for Paris residents. Uh, the demographic makeup of the city is turned on its head as Parisians flood out and foreigners pour in. The collective height yeah, holidays and and body weight of the city increases. Wow, fat shaming so, Americans. Lard asses come in, right? All right. Fat Americans come in. French gives way to English as the language you're likely to hear. Most topsy turvy yes. of all, I get whisked to the front of the line. <laughs> it's so much better right here in the front of the bus. It's great. Yeah. The back of the bus sucks. Yeah. The front are, is awesome. You literally were like, hey, Rosa, Rosa, <laughs> there's a seat in the back. Uh, at one restaurant, she's really happy about this one. Mm-hmm. At one restaurant, a friend and I asked for a table on the terrace and were seated right away, even though an American couple ahead of me had just asked the same question and were told no room. The only difference was that I had asked in French. I admit it. Oh, wow. I f- you are amazing. I find this satisfying. Oh, so treating people who don't speak the native language like shit is something that you support. So when, um, you know, somebody who's a worker, a lot of the workers here in in, uh, New York uh, are not, not only not native English speakers, but primarily don't speak English. I mean, except for the word difficult in that way, but I figured out how to do it. It's great. I don't care. Um, If I treated them like shit and said, you're not allowed into this restaurant because you speak Spanish. Um, she'd be cool with that. She thinks that's enlightened, right? Pretty much. Is that what she said? Enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to enjoy because that is, I mean, t- to say like, I got a table in these fucking fat, lard ass Americans. Okay, let's let's do this in a couple of ways. Let's ask one other question. This is a person who thinks themselves very sophisticated because, you know, it's very hard to be her in this modern world, despite the fact that she writes for the New York Times and went to Yale. She went to Yale. Um, and I think maybe Harvard, too. But, you know, you usually get them both. <laughs> maybe one for graduate school, one for undergraduate. And we, but we they call think that they're a very DeSantis, I think. That's the, the verb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now. <laughs> That's a Ronnie. That's full Ronnie. But you are in Europe. What do you think other Europeans do? Do you think they speak English? 
Or do they speak? Do you like? I mean, they're thin. I think I know you like that. Yeah. You don't like that they're that fat Americans come in. What do you think Canadians do? I was in Italy two weeks ago, and everywhere you went, the lingua franca obviously is English. I was in a place where there were not a lot of Americans. I just did not see many, but I heard English everywhere because we can't learn the language of every country we travel to, can we? You shouldn't go to Vietnam because you don't speak Vietnamese. I mean, it, and if you do, expect to be seated after everybody because you know. And let's you're insulting their culture by not learning their fucking language. And let's remember Michael Moynihan on this podcast, like an anxious, you know, whatever class rage problem that he has, um, but also as a polite person, was worried about <laughs> going to Italy and um, <coughs> that he doesn't speak much Italian. Yeah, I don't like it. Michael has a, a, a like strong gift with languages. I presume that if he was dropped in a Slavic country like I lived in for more or less five years, he would have it pretty well mastered in six months. And I I got, I think, two of the tenses halfway, maybe, two of the seven tenses for every verb or noun, I should say, um, about halfway done. Most places really like to speak, like in Sweden, they love speaking English. They don't want you to speak Swedish. And we have a lot of Swedish listeners and I can they will attest to this, that every time you speak Swedish and you make a mistake, um, they'll very happily... And they're doing it for themselves. They pretend they're doing it for you, but they're like, oh, no, no, we can speak English because they speak English so well. And they enjoy the activity of speaking English, which they often don't get to do unless they work for some multinational company or they're in some sort of place with a lot of tourists. They love doing that. If it's a dinner party, they'll be like, let's do the whole thing in English because they're very good in the English language, mostly, by the way, because they don't dub television or movies as subtitles and everything. English is always around you and Swedish is a language that, you know, 10 million people speak. Um, probably a little more, but not that much more. And yeah, I feel weird going up to somebody and presuming that they will speak my language. Right. You want the, so I try. You want the intro words, the basics to be in yeah, their language. Of course. Right. That's Of course. And I do. And I got, you know, decent at doing it in Italian. And you know, the Italians, by the way, I said this before, incredibly nice people, shockingly nice people where we were, it was every, I mean, you stumbled through things and they were like so generous about it. And because they, obviously they want your money too, but this sustains so many European countries in the month of August where everyone pisses off and nobody works. Yeah. You know, oh, the demographic changes in August. Yeah, because everyone in France goes on holiday like the same in Italy and the same in Germany and same in Sweden and same in Norway. And so the demographic changes and all these fat Americans come like the, the complaint when I was in Europe, I used to get this all the time, by the way, that they would tell you this statistic. Did you ever get this? This actually came up when I was in Italy. The number of Americans that actually have passports. Right. Oh, it's like 20%, 25%. Those numbers are low, by the way. But also, it's like, we have a country that, from going from New York to LA, is like going from London to Moscow. You know, it's a six-hour flight. It's 3,000 miles. We can go a long way without a passport. We didn't need one to go to Canada in the past. We didn't need one to go to Puerto Rico, to the U.S. Virgin Islands, et cetera. There's a lot of place to cover. And so it used to be that Americans were bozos who didn't travel. And now it's like, look at these fat bozos traveling. You cannot win. But there is nothing more obnoxious than the self-hating American that says, ugh, gross, I can't believe my fellow countrymen are coming. I speak French and I'm so embarrassed by these people. That was the thing that did in the Dixie Chicks, by the way. It wasn't what they said. Remember that? Dixie Chicks? 
said, you know, fuck America during the Iraq war. It was that they did it in London. I think it was London. It was London. It was in Europe. Yeah. And it was London. And it was like, there was something a little like, don't go to a foreign country and say, like, Europeans don't do this. I mean, can you imagine like a French band coming up and saying, fucking France full of idiots. And like, even in a war situation, you can't really imagine that. And that was the thing that kind of alienated people, whether that's right or wrong, doesn't make a difference. It's like, don't, you know, I can call my kid ugly, but you can't when it comes to Europeans. It's like, but stop doing it to get credit. That's the thing that rankles when you're like the person. And, and I think I once told the story and I was in Denmark and I was talking to this journalist and we were all out for dinner, a bunch of people. And I started saying something about something I didn't like about what was happening. It was 2015. It was, like, it was something in the, the, you know, Trump or the election or something. I was like, ugh. And he was like, oh, don't be one of those people. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I said, no, 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 I'm not one of those people. I'm the pe person at the dinner party that's going to throw a punch if you start doing that kind of performative anti-Americanism. It says, like, oh, we are so terrible. We're so awful. It's like, you know what? We're not at all. And you've, if you are that fucking woman who says, France, oh, so amazing. So amazing that we keep having runoff elections with Front National in like Holocaust denying parties and racists and the rest of it. Have you ever met a French, French person who's not whisking you to your table at a chic uh, restaurant in Paris? Have you ever been to, you know, outside of Normandy? Have you ever been to the middle of France where there's a bunch of farmers? Have you ever talked to the yellow vest people? They're not who you stop telegraphing this thing to Americans that everyone is in France is writing poetry and smoking galois. They're mostly redneck farmers, like people in Sweden are mostly rednecks. People in Germany are mostly rednecks. People in America are mostly rednecks. And I don't say that with any, any you know, contempt. It's just look up Swedish listeners. I'll end on this. Swedish listeners will know this. Look up Ragere. That Ragere. That's R A G A R E. I think it's probably a spell a community in mostly in, in Skåne in the south of Sweden, but it's all over Sweden, of people that kind of want to be Americans and they dress like rockabilly and they fly Confederate flags and drive like GTOs. They're just like obsessed with American stuff. And it's a huge community and it's like lower, lower middle class, kind of working class people. And that's also Sweden. It's not, it's not the cool guys in Stockholm only. So stop fucking thinking that and pretending in the pages of the New York Times that you're fucking oppressed. Fuck you. Ugh. Get the fuck out of America. Don't come back. We don't want you. I will, or I don't, anyway. I will read the last two paragraphs because they're, they're chef's kiss. Uh, frankly, I feel more comfortable in French. English stay. is a... <laughs> <laughs> stay. Stay. English is a beautiful, haunted language, but to my ear, it is aggressive. But, but, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. What is a haunted language? Tell me what that means. I, uh, it's a haunted language. I, it's a very rich language for sure. Has more words. So than many contributions French from so many countries. By like four hundred percent. That's haunted. Haunted, haunted by language. Jesus. By having lots Bullshit. of words. It's a beautiful Bad, haunted language, but to my ear, nonsense. it is aggressive and hegemonic. The thing about <laughs> French. I'm but a simple potato farmer from the hinterlands. But I think yeah. that French, which is a beautiful language, I understand a little bit it's of it. Beautiful language for sure. And I love it. Appreciate love it. Yeah. Um I wouldn't call it hegemonic because they never really I mean it was I don't know. It was languages can't be hegemonic, by the way. That's bullshit. It was people can be cultures can be, I guess. It but languages had some pretty good spread in around eighteen ten or so. Um Yeah. 
<laughs> I wonder why all those African people that you run into only speak French, <laughs> you know, beyond their sort of, you know, native African language. Uh, it's because French, by contrast, is soft, romantic. It articulates romantic, by the way. Um, she's talking about like, it's great to, it's to, I, I'm finally treated like a white male. No, you're not. In French, you're not treated like a white male because it's a romance language and it's a romantic language and they're calling you a lady because they like ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, French mm-hmm. is soft romantic. It articulates the seemingly contradictory forces of logic and emotions like no other language I know. This is total nonsense writing. It's absolute nonsense. It means nothing. Uh, well, at least you had the qualifier of I know. Uh, it allows people to complain all day long, a stereotypical French pastime, and somehow manage to keep it Lol. within a civilized <laughs> so range. Stupid. A civilized range. You should go to Marseille, uh, friend. Uh, it is a language that... Co- you shouldn't go to one of the bagneurs that wouldn't like rush you to the front of the chip shop. I mean, for fuck's sake. It is a language that connects me to my true and best self it what does that mean it binds me to the people who, th- th- what this means oh well, well, we'll break it down for you it means that like i am bragging that i learned french which is great i don't personally speak french in a fluent way and when i do i'm going to write a celebratory new york times um uh, op-ed yeah. talking about how everyone else sucks and are fat is that asian privilege by the way when you learn a language you can write a tedious boring stupid piece for the new york times we're not done what kind of privilege is that we're not done uh yale it binds me to the people who in turn feel that the language binds me to them i hope you have uh like some weed in that vape over there um because that that's honestly i wish it was fucking fentanyl uh i i i can't it, it it binds her to you, to them, to everybody. Because, and by the way, I just want her to know that every one of your French friends thinks you're completely fucking insufferable and American. They don't see you as Asian. They see like this American woman who's so fucking annoying. She's like, look at my French. It's amazing. I'm going to go to the front of the line. Like when you're one example in your piece is that you got a table and someone else didn't Yeah, because you spoke French. It's like, no, that's a bad part of a culture, not a good part of a culture, by Which the way. gets me to the final paragraph. It's short. Uh, French is, as Monsieur Hamel said, uh, uh, oh, yeah. well, as he said. Uh, a key. And <laughs> Notoriously so. If it occasionally grants me a chance to cut the line and grab a waiting table on the terrace, well, I think I've earned it. At least as much as any white male Why? ever did. What? That, wait, that last sentence says white male? What, what do white males have to do with this? Nothing. I, this is a the white male. Ba- I, the amazing thing is. Could go yeah. to France, probably wouldn't get the table in front of the hot Asian gal. Um, but like, yeah. but still, if they. If Which he, isn't her. Uh, oh, man, see, <laughs> God damn it. You're not helping. <laughs> Um, but, uh, look, this is someone who's fat shaming Americans. So let's take a look, look at her looks. Stop making fun of the way Americans waddle across Paris. Because by the way, there's a lot of fat, fucking fat English people. You ever been, been to England? You ever been to London? Have you seen their, ever been outside of London? Have you seen their especially teeth? Outside of London. Michael, have you seen their teeth? It's <laughs> that myth. Well, maybe not. It's not, but, it's not just the Brits. Did you, did you ever see the last, oh, I don't know if it's the last one. I think the one before the last uh, special that Bill Burr did and he recorded it in London. And it's one of the opening Part jokes two, yeah. where he's like, when he's like, yeah, you know, you guys are pretty fucking fat over here too. <laughs> it's like true. 100% true. 
It's like, all right, we, you've caught up. So stop. It is. So stop saying these things that you are unique and everyone's like on a fucking, you know, treadmill all day. I, They're like going to the chippy. I hate. And bless them. I don't care. I don't fuck what I care. I hate Americans who become so sophisticated that they can uh, turn up their nose at Americans. This is like, there's a phrase for it, oikophobia that was uh, popularized, I think, by Glenn Reynolds of, of Instapundit fame after, uh, in the early aughts. Um, uh, maybe someone else had uh, had uh, coined it, but he popularized it. Um, it's just so gross. I, I saw this living in Europe at various times. The version of it was more like um, someone would come to Prague, where I lived, and um, and they had been there for two months, and they're like, oh, God, there's so many fucking tourists here. They're really <laughs> ruining yeah, yeah, the yeah, place. And it's like, what? It's it's a, it's a very human instinct when people talk about gentrification yeah. in Williamsburg. It's like, did you? I'm sorry, did you move here in 1940? No, you moved here like three years ago. You are part of it, and you're like, oh, it's changing again. So the person before you would probably say the same thing about you. So stop. And but there is nothing less sophisticated than pretending to be sophisticated in saying Europeans are themselves as a group sophisticated. Some are, some aren't. Pretty similar to the U.S. In fact. But we have a greater landmass, which makes things, I mean, look, something similar in landmass has nothing similar in population. It's considerably less uh, than the U.S. population or, or is Russia, right? Go out into the middle of Russia. Honestly, I've done this. Go out and, you, do, is it sophisticated? No. It's just like you'd expect. You know, people with like, you know, souped up cars with fins on them and like jeans that are like, acid washed with like weird pointy shoes <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh my goodness and that's not who she's talking about right europe is a big place europeans are this that's just not true what, what do europeans think about gay rights okay let's talk to swedish people oh my god look at how progressive and okay no no no, no. let's just stop 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 go south go east what do Polish people think about gay rights? What are the laws about oh. gay adoption in France? What are the laws about having uh, a single woman go and get uh, sperm donors and have their own child in France? Um, I mean, the abortion laws until recently in Spain, Portugal, Ireland, um, you know, Malta, whatever, ha have been incredibly restrictive. And even, you know, before the Dobbs decision, more restrictive usually than America. So what social issues are you talking about? I mean, you go, I mean, it's, it's sort of- I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was out. I was dancing when I was out. I danced myself right out the womb. I danced myself right out the womb. Is it strange to dance so soon? Dancing when I was eight. I was dancing when I was eight. Is it strange to dance so late? 
Strange to dance so soon 